from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com. I think with Wildfire for me, it was starting with the cast and it was like, oh, I was obsessed. I was like, how do I make it work? Why? How? Why? What would happen if you put them together? And, you know, that was the driving force. She remembers, like swimming one side of Dummy Lake and then the other. It occupying two different countries. And as a child, you know, trying to wrap your head around this invisible border, this invisible line. So I love the fact that we get to see two women, that, especially the dancing. I don't think we have seen women dance like that. We're so used to a male gaze of women dancing for men. I knew Wildfire was going to be tough. Um, I just, I guess I just didn't realise what kind of tough yeah. you know what it came to what happened you gotta be so passionate about what you believe in and because that film stays with you it lives with you you know and if you don't believe in it don't go near it do you know what I mean and if you're looking for fame and fortune you're maybe 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 look in a different area maybe be an influencer <laughs> you know it was six years in the making but Kathy Brady's debut film, Wildfire, was well worth the wait. The critics are raving, and the awards and nominations are stacking up for the Newry writer and director and her leading actresses, Nora Jane Noon and Nika McGuigan. Nika sadly passed away in 2019, but this film is a tribute to her fantastic talent, and it's a wonderful legacy for her family to have. The film is about the consequences of repressed trauma, grief and sisterly love. It's set in a post-Brexit borderland Northern Ireland, um, a lot of it filmed in Newry. This is your host Elaine Ingram and here's Cathy to tell us all about Wildfire. Hi Cathy. How are you doing? Can you hear me yeah? I can hear you well, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I'm on this crazy whistletop stop tour so uh, yeah it's uh, bananas so it's busy 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 I know that's what I was going to say to you thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me because I know you're on this magic carpet ride of madness (laughs) really is I had no idea what how intense it would be but uh, you know I'm really grateful that we, we can do it you know yeah um, I mean, the film, um, like for our listeners, like the film Wildfire is being released in in cinemas tomorrow, the, tomorrow's the 3rd of September. And um, it's been getting rave reviews, and rightly so, um, everywhere. I mean, you won the, the IFTA for Best Director, um, and one of your actresses, uh, Nika McGuigan, won Best Actress as well. Um, so to tell us a little bit about the film first. Just yeah, to- I mean, Wildfire really was... I mean, it really was a, an unusual journey. You know, we started that film with casting first and I had worked with Nika and Norjian separately. And, you know, I really was taken by ju- just they had this incredible ability to be courageous in their vulnerability and, and, and really fierce. And I don't think that combination is that comes along that often. And I thought, what would happen if you put them together? So we began there and in many ways, um, because I'm from Borderland, Northern Ireland, I wanted to bring the story home. And it was at home that the story started to take root in that setting and that landscape with those people. 
And we were inspired by a real event that happened. Um, two sisters who had a shared psychosis. Yeah. And there's a documentary footage of them that covers them walking along the middle of the M6 in England. They walk into oncoming traffic and survive. And, and that footage really, um, it really kind of took our breaths away. And it really startled us. And I guess we were kind of really, really shook up and wondering what would cause two sisters to behave like that? And how could you find yourself in the middle of the M6 and yet still survive yeah. after doing that? And that really, you know, started a, a long journey of five years of research and development. So we were building fact and fiction hand in hand. And I do think that is why Wildfire feels like a different film. And and I, I think certainly that is why the, the performances are so astonishing from the two lead actresses, because it's five years, you know, they were crafting it and and really kind of constantly testing, is this authentic? Is this real? You know, and and, th- and that did meet meeting people who had experienced psychosis. It, it meant both of them spending some time in Borderland, Northern Ireland. And, you know, their accents are incredible. You know, neither of them are from the border. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's so I, I think it's a very, a very special film. And I think it's I'm really curious now that we're we're heading like we're getting the film out there. What an audience from the borderland makes of this film, you know, because yeah. that's the real test. Well, you're from your yourself. So, yeah. So but so you grew up knowing, you know, exactly what all this would feel like. So, yeah, it is a test of what other people. But I mean, I was lucky to. I've seen the film. I'm really glad. I was meant to speak to you yesterday and it turned out I, I was speaking to you today instead. And I'm really glad because I got to see the film last night. And it was, um, and I've seen this. Somebody said this, and this is the first thing that just came to my mind. It was absolutely mesmerizing. The performances from um, Nika and Nora Jane were just incredible. But the story itself, and I was, I'm going to tell you now, I'm not going to lie, I was in tears at the end of it. But it was also, it was because it, it's such a moving story about, um, broken families and just a broken community and this aftermath of everything that people have gone looking at Northern Ireland from a completely different perspective mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. because I mean I'm going to have you just mentioned because um, of the sad passing of, of Nika in 2019 and just the loss of such an incredible talent I mean you could see this this girl like had really had it all going for her yeah yeah absolutely and you know, it, it's it's such a it's such a hard thing to really to put words on, but you kind of it's hard watching it on because she's so full of sheer talent and presence, yeah. and you know it's so lived in what she's doing, and that you you kind of go well. She she clearly was you know crafting and and she was about to you know set out a career for herself, which would yeah. have been a character led actor. You know, that maybe with the likes of Samantha Morton or, you know, Walking Phoenix, like, you know, down the line that she would have been going for those characters that took that level of complexity and physicality because she was showing that with Kelly, that she was capable of those things. Yeah, she really was. And the two of them worked so, um, so well together. And you mentioned there that you um, that you you had your actresses before you had the film, which is a very unusual um, way to go about filmmaking. But you'd worked with both of them before. Um, in your shorts I mean you yourself are no stranger to awards because you've you know you seem to everything you touch turns to gold you're you won awards for your shorts before and this is where you came but you decided um that you wanted to put these two two girls together you did something in your head said that I want to make a film around them 
which is quite, it's, that is an unusual way. I mean, I'm not a it's, director, I don't know, but it seems like an unusual way to make a film. It's absolutely, it was absolutely gut instinct. I suppose if we were to talk about how things are probably traditionally done, you know, you, you often go off and you write a treatment, then you write a script. And then in order to get your funding, you have, you know, you attach your cast or maybe sometimes, you know, the, it's your, it's not fund independent and, you know, you, you end up finding your cast maybe six weeks out, maybe in some cases a few weeks out. And then, you know, you might, you'd be lucky, you know, on a debut to maybe have two weeks rehearsal with your cast and that's it. You're off and running. You, you make the fellow and that's it. Do you know, whereas this is like, this is completely different. And I think it really holds space for actors being creators and maybe a different way of making films. Like, like, listen, there is other filmmakers that have made films in different ways. Obviously there's like some Mike Lee, you know, the Darden brothers, you know, you know, everyone have crafted their own path. And I guess I was just following my own instincts on this. Like I wasn't copying anyone's method or process. I was constantly kind of referencing what do the cast need? Um, what do we need and how do we find the tone? What, how do we figure out what the thematics is for this film? And, you know, it did take time. It, took, it takes longer. If you're going to workshop things, you know, often you get, you know, your, your actors are, your actors have to really step up and it's not like rehearsal. They have to hundred percent commit to a truth because you're mining that for story and mining that for character work. And if they somehow don't fully commit, it's like a half big story idea. Yeah. So, and then my, my job was to go away and having looked at the workshop footage, having reference it with, you know, real life, real life um, interviews. Then I have to kind of start to judge, okay, what's my authentic truth for this? What's, what needs to fall away? Where do I keep driving the film? And for me, I feel like it was like this slow process of constantly chiseling and fine tuning what the film was. Was there a lot of improvisation? Was there, you know, that there's a particular scene and when, when, when our listeners go and watch the film, which I'm sure they will, um, there, there's a particular scene in the bar and um, there's a very, it's a very intense scene. Uh, was a lot was any of that improvised or no it was very choreographed there was not one moment of improvisation in the entire film and I think it's because well because we'd done so much prep beforehand but because the characters are so lived in and how I like to approach performance it has this energy that feels unpredictable and I I felt that was very important in terms of the tone of this film that it's got this edge this kind of nervousness that the, the, the audience starts to sit in this discomfort. We go in that discomfort and exhilaration of the girls. Um, but no, that scene was 100% um, scripted. Because it looked, it looked like it came, that just goes to, to show the credit of the two actors. I think, it's, again, it, again, honestly, it's, it's a credit to the performers as well. And, and you know, um, we were always kind of searching for that authenticity. And this is the difference of actors just turning up on set two weeks before you shoot and actors here were living it for five years. You know, it, it's in them, you know, and it, it feels like it comes from that moment rather than it coming from a script, even though it was from a script. Yeah. And how does it feel now, now that it's out there and it's your your baby is out there? Um, how, how does it feel now? Like how how difficult is it like to say, right, I know at the moment you're doing all the promotion for it and everything else, but it's there now. How does that feel? I mean, I think me and Nora Jane were, you know, we've been trying to put words on it and it's impossible because it's, it literally feels like it's everything. And because it's so, 
it's so complicated because Nika isn't with us. So there's all, there will always be that bittersweet element. And and yet we we want to like, we want to shout about it from the rooftops. We're incredibly proud of what we all did together. That The fact that we didn't compromise that much when we made this film, you know, we stuck to our guns and we worked it in the way we wanted to. And we came out the other side and when we had filmed the film, we knew we had something special. And then, you know, everything that happened in post-production I guess it kind of it, it has complicated it because it's it's we don't get to have that celebration together the yeah. three of us. Um, but then when I look further back and I go okay I, I remove myself from making the film and I look at it as a film, then you know you get the nerves with God how's it going to be received you know ha- have we hit on that nerve? It, it is it, the, the the film is a hard watch, but will people watch it? You know, I feel like it needs to be watched, but how do we get people to see it? And then <laughs> these thoughts occupy your head then, you know. So that's the next step. And, and how hard is it um, to get a film, you know, in into the cinema and to get, I know, luckily the cinemas are open again. So that thankfully, you know, you, it did come out at the right time. Um, well, we had pushed our schedule along. I think we were, we were due to release in May and it constantly got shifted because I think... This really is, it's a film to be seen on the big screen. Absolutely, yes, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I had people who had watched it virtually on their laptops and uh, through headphones, and they were like, now that they've seen it in the cinema, they're like, it's a completely different experience. And it is because we went to such work to, to play with the psychoacoustics. So the film has a very grand scale in terms of how sound design and, and music is, is, is used so that you feel hyper aware in certain moments like when Kelly returns home we open on this big ship and you know we're it's that kind of hypnotic state of mind that she's in like with the elements you know because we wanted to create what it felt like to to be on the early stages of psychosis so sensory it had to be very sensory yet when when the film falls away to very intimate private moments it's quite big and it's scaled because it's so intimate and tactile it feels almost overwhelming so you don't get that from sitting in front of a laptop in a way. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, to, to 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 have it in the cinemas, it felt like the best way for it to be launched publicly. So, you know, but, you know, hopefully people get the opportunity to go out and they, they feel like um, this is a film that they want to watch. Um, but it, it's been interesting now because, you know, we've been traveling this film virtually for a year. I haven't really left the house until recently. <laughs> um but what what really struck me in Norgian is the conversations changing around the film. Like, you know, we've had American and Canadian press who you know during Toronto and and you know, similar with London, we had a lot of English journalists, but now we're meeting the Irish public, both north and south of the border. And the conversations we've been having with journalists are it's like night and day. It's like there's something so inbuilt and inherent that it's understood and that has been really interesting because it's not so much we're not talking about in general terms the conversations are they're they're asking us and and they're they're really reflecting on their own experience of growing up maybe on the border or not understanding the border and so it's been really rewarding starting to to feel like the film's landing especially in Ireland yeah yeah there definitely must be a difference in the American audiences and the Irish audiences because yeah there are things that we would understand that they just wouldn't, 
you know, mm. there's the, the, a scene on the lake, the I mean the north, I mean the south, that scene. Yeah. Um like that's that's something that you kind of you know, you kind of have to be from here to to get or not yeah. have it explained to you. And again, like you know, that that moment itself came straight from Nika because she spent her her childhood in Clonus, you know, in her summers and she hung out with her cousins and you know, she spent the majority of her life in England, but she would say when she came home for summers, she remembers like swimming one side of Dummy Lake and then the other. It occupying two different countries. And as a child, you know, trying to wrap your head around this invisible border, this invisible line. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was such a, a powerful, everyday yet poetic moment that I was like, that's what it means to, to live in the border. And it's everyday and yet it's poetic and yet it's complicated. Yeah, and the things that I suppose when you you grow up in borderland, you just take things as normal. And it's only when you look back on them, you know, things like probably having to be evacuated from the butter crane or do you know what I mean? And I remember I'm actually from Dublin, so I didn't grow up here. But I remember when I came up here at first and it was in um, the late 90s. And I remember being going to um, the shopping centre and everybody was standing outside and the door was locked. And I was like, well, why is the door locked? And they were like, oh, it's, oh, it's a bomb scare. And I was yeah, like, well, why is yeah. everybody standing here? Why are they not, they're not moving? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's, a, it's sort of a taking for granted of things that that mm-hmm. is your normal. But mm-hmm. then there's the post-traumatic stress of, of all of that that comes probably when people reflect, when you're giving people a chance to reflect on things that they might yeah. have just accepted. And I think this is an interesting time to start reflecting, especially with Brexit. Um. And not taking for granted, you know, that peace is so important. And how do we protect that? How do we hold space for conversations to continue? Yeah. And Brexit and wasn't, was, sorry, Brexit wasn't um, <laughs> part of making this film. Brexit no, wasn't. No, no. So it we would have started this seven years ago. And um, the reason, you know, the reason obviously bringing it home was to do with I'm from the border. Um, but also because when we started to look at trauma, we realized there was this term called intergenerational trauma. And we realized that there's an amazing lots of studies in Northern Ireland specifically on intergenerational trauma within families and within communities. So that's kind of where our attention was sort of sitting and, and, and exploring that within the family dynamic, within the community dynamic. And then as we were making it, Brexit became a thing and then Brexit happened. And of course, like in order for it to be set present there, we had to address it. But it was like it was a nightmare because for a long time we didn't know when Kelly crossed the border, was it going to be a hard border? Was it going to be a soft border? But one thing I do know, based on all the research I've been doing, it was like we can't underestimate, you know, what wounds this might open for families who are still grieving and are still living under the shadow of the troubles, you know, and, and what what the good friday agreement brought do you know that that sense of peace and but equally like prisoners being released back into communities and communities had to get on for the sake of peace and yet brexit is kind of you know it's, the it's yeah 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 because there's a lot of stuff going on right now that you know yeah. in terms of with with brexit that have that has changed an awful lot and turned back yeah. the clock in some ways yeah and if women you feature obviously this is from the female perspective as well. You know, you're you're looking at, there's been an awful lot of films made about the troubles in the past, you know, and Northern Ireland, always focusing on the male perspective and just the, the conflict perspective, but not from the women's point of view. And, you know, 
So this is it's a different take on things as well in that sense. Definitely, definitely is. And I think, you know, at the forefront of this film, it's not a, a troubles or political film. I actually think this is this is a film about in a very universal sense about family and about, yes. you know, the strength of love and grief. Um, and I, I, I do think Abe, you can't not avoid the fact that the film does engage with um, the troubles because it's related to the family's past. Exactly. You know, yeah. we can't separate where we're from. It's part of us. And I do think, you know, this film does, it does offer a different narrative to how we discuss the troubles because we do see uh, through these, these sisters specifically. And I think these women are very unique, you know, because Kelly particularly, she's, she doesn't want to play into what's expected of her. She doesn't want the cushy house. She doesn't want the cushy job. She wants to go against the, against things. In fact, live outside the system. And in, in many ways, she's been free falling because she hasn't stability. And when she returns after being missing, I guess there's a part of her that's yearning to be at home, yearning to be with someone who knows her because she's quite unsure of her own her own mind. And yet her sister has been living this repressed life. She's been doing all the things that you're meant to do. She's got married, you know, she's got the job, but she's deeply, deeply unhappy. And, and, and it's to do with her own repressed emotions and to do with not facing some of the stuff that has happened to her in her life. Yet Kelly comes in, she's able to awaken something in her, which is terrifying for her. So I love the fact that we get to see two women that, especially the dance scene, I don't think we have seen women dance like that. We're so used to a male gaze of women dancing for men. These women are, they don't give a shit. They are dancing purely for themselves and they're so vibrantly alive within their own moment that it's, it's, it is, that's why the film feels like mesmerizing and hypnotic, I think, yeah. because it's, feels different and it feels very present in a different way um and as someone said at a screening last night which I thought was fascinating in Belfast was like um it was I think it was um it was a Justin McNulty possibly from the STLP he said yeah. this is it's um it's really powerful being a man from South Armagh seeing this film and it really resonates with me but also to see a film that doesn't um you know glorify the idea of um the the violent men the 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 violent history you know there there isn't a glorification here of men and their guns in any shape or form yeah no there absolutely isn't yeah yeah get ready to shake up summer with the get active abc sunshine fill program for kids and families Get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes, or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our splash-tastic water sports summer programme. There are so many things to do, and all we need is you. See getactiveabc.com summer for all the details. Kathy, you yourself, how did you get into the um the directing gig the the filmmaking industry at all how did it all start for you I was studying art originally and um I kind of thought that that's what I would do and I was at the IADT which also housed the National Film School in Ireland so I I was watching the film students um out in the courtyard with their crane and and all kind of working together as a collaboration and there was me in my studio you know doing my painting or photography by myself. And, and then slowly but surely I started making friends with these guys. And I realized, God, I love, I love the idea of 
you know, creating a piece of art together. And I remember turning around to two of the girls in my course and said, will we make a film together? And we did. And it was the biggest load of crap. But that was the biggest turning point for me because it was like someone turned on a switch. And I remember just laughing myself, silly, going, oh, my God, I felt like I was high. Like, because I just kind of find something that like that collaboration and kind of working together as a unit to really bring something in your imagination out and make it physical. And it felt different to everything I'd been doing so far in fine art, which sometimes felt a wee bit intellectual heavy and a bit poncy. Fine art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, with filmmaking, like there, there's this, you can do that in filmmaking, of course, if you want. But I just felt there was so much more space to be collaborative and 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 less intellectual, more gutsy, more visceral, and um, come from a different place, you know. So it, it that was that was really the starting point for me. And you know, I, I unfortunately was in the wrong degree, so I left that degree. And um, well, I was meant to take a one year gap, and I ended up taking two year. And I did production jobs, made teas and coffees on set kind of thing. But slowly but surely, I started doing stills photography on set and understood how each of the departments worked. And then I went back to IDT and I said to them, listen, would I be able to re- transfer the, the remainder of my degree into the film course? And they said, yes, but only if you can say you're going to be a producer. And okay. of course, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I went in, but then I, then I decided I would make my own film. And that, that I would write it myself and I would direct it myself. So I ended up making small change yeah. and um, I never really looked back. I mean, it has been a very long road. Because you won an IFTA for small change as well. You won. Yeah, but I think the first it was we also got into uh, Sundance, yeah. which, you know, was just like mind boggling for your first short. Like, and, and I, I, in a way, I thought, God, maybe this is a fluke. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was in my first short, do you know what I mean? And I thought, oh, shit, like. I didn't feel ready for the industry yet, even though like there had been good feedback. Um, yeah, and then I went off and did a master's for two years in London in directing fiction at the National Film School. And that was really where it all took off from there. I mean, you just found your yeah. calling, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like where it was my first time really working with international peers. You know, I was working with filmmakers from all across the world. And, you know, and I, I met at an amazing... Um, editor who you know I continue to still work with me he edited wildfire um and again like sound designer but like you know so all these people I met and my masters I still continue to work with so I felt like when I went to do my masters that everyone around me the bar was so high that I was like oh my god but the conversations were so rich and the culture was so different that it really was this awakening of a sort and I suppose as well when you when you're in that community you find that you're just meeting the right people and people will help each other out and that kind of thing. So you're, 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 you're you're in there. Yeah. How how hard is it to get a film made? You know, this was your debut film and you'd done shorts before, but it must've been a different process or a very difficult difficult process to get the funding. I mean, I think how we made this film was (laughs) difficult to, you know, um, I wish I could give you more detail in terms of the finance, but like, unfortunately, I didn't produce Wildfire, so I wouldn't have the details. But in terms of a director, like getting funding for their first feature, like I, I know a lot of scripts came in to me. So I could have made a feature earlier than this. It wouldn't have been the right feature. And it, was, it wasn't thematically something I was interested in. It wasn't my own writing. 
And that happened a few times where I was paired with writers and we'd go into funders and, you know, we'd pitch a project. And it kept coming back. I remember I'd been into film for so many times with different writers and different, you know, different outfits um, with different production companies. And what kept coming back was like, but we can't see you in it. Or, but why do you want to tell this? Or, well, the scale doesn't feel right for you. And all this stuff that you're like, what, what does that all mean? Yeah, what <laughs> you know? does that all mean? Yeah. Oh, but, you know, I can say, I can put my hand in my heart and say, wildfire is all of me. You know, it's not one part of that that isn't me. How I want to make it, how I want to cast it. I was just really lucky to find producers who stayed with me on that journey. Because, you know, it, it did take, it did take five years to get the financing in place. We nearly were, we, I think by, on the fourth year, we thought we had enough money to go. And um, a line producer came over and costed up the film. And he's like, you've grossly underestimated how much this is going to cost. And we were short a lot of money. And, we, you know, we had to go back to, to find another financer. So, I mean, if you always see the opening credits of Wildfire, <laughs> there's every financer under the sun. And, you know, and it was a bet. It was a kind of, they had to take a bet, all of them, because it wasn't a straightforward film. Yeah, no, we did have a script, you know, but how it was made, you know. They were taking you know, a gamble, yeah. They were taking a gamble, especially Screen Ireland. They were the first to come in. And, you know, they, they embraced the idea for researcher and workshops and and to take our time to get your treatment before a script. Um, but as as you know, as, as the years went on, the approach to how you made the film got more and more traditional, and that became tedious at times. Like not not lying, but like draft after draft after draft can wear you down, and note after note after note from different financiers. But at the end of the day, like you know, you're it's public money, yeah, and they have their obligation, and you have their obligation to answer that. So. And, you know, it's my daddy, so I'm not in a position to go, well, fuck you and fuck your notes. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? I have to kind of, I want to make the film. And, um, you know, sometimes. Did you, ever feel, did you ever feel like giving up? Did you ever feel like this is just not going to ever happen? No, you know, you'd, never. So, so you would say, no matter what, just keep plugging away if you believe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> in terms of giving up, I think I've been really badly bruised, like by the, by the process, and not just wildfire. I mean, Kanko Bunko, I find a very very bruising um, uh, process making that for a number number of reasons. The budget was very very small. The schedule was ridiculous. I felt there was a lot of demands and a lot of personal demands on me as well. But I didn't know my boundaries at that stage either. I've, I'm wiser now. I would push back a lot more. Um, but I knew wildfire was going to be tough. Um, I just, I guess it just didn't realize what kind of tough, yeah. you know, when it came to what happened. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you got to be so passionate about what you believe in. And because that film stays with you, it lives with you, you know, and if you don't believe in it, don't go near it. Do you know what I mean? And if you're looking for fame and fortune, you maybe 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 look at a different area maybe be an influencer you know yeah because if that 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 you know fame and fortune you know will if, if it comes along that's you know incidental to what you've actually tried yeah. to do and yeah, yeah. You, if you're doing it yeah. for the right reasons because people can see through that and people can yeah. see 
that something is genuine. Do you, do you think or, or, and people can see as well, like when someone's hopping on the bandwagon of an idea or a thing? Yeah. You know, or because it's trendy, let's let's make a film about this. But yeah. they've no insight. And that's not to say, listen, I didn't have any firsthand experience of psychosis or within my family. But I had to find my own way into that narrative. Yeah. You know, so that's what I would say just to, you know, and I think with Wildfire for me, it was started with the casting. It was like, oh, I was obsessed. I was like, how do I make it work? Why? How? Why? What would happen if you put them together? And, you know, that was the driving force. Yeah, so they were your spark that they would. Yeah. They, were, they yeah. were the two. You have and to keep banning it. You have to keep you work them separately. They, they did, did they work yeah. in the same show together? They didn't. They hadn't worked never. together before. Never. They just never, never, never. And you just spotted this. So that's the yeah. instinct of a, a yeah. of a director, which is yeah, 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 yeah. Just your job, and it must be yeah, it must be hard when I was just thinking there when you're talking about trying to get things made and everything. It's it's kind of goes against the grain when you see somebody who's a creative creatives and then having to be getting funding and money and all because it's kind of the opposite yeah, end of yeah. the scale you know they don't necessarily marry together very well so it's a very funding industry it's a strange one because even now we've made the film yet you still you still need to stand by it and you still need to promote it and that's a whole different thing yeah. as well yeah so, so it's, it's not like, you'd rather be at home writing or doing something probably I don't know but there's a part of me that like I, I understand that it you know the film needs to be communicated and, you know, someone needs to present it in, in a sense. So it's like, it's like all these, like being a director and a filmmaker, it's not one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think, are women becoming more, are there more women directors coming along? Is it getting easier for women in the industry? Because we all know like that the film industry traditionally is very male dominated. Do you find uh, um, that there are more women making things and getting things made or do you think it makes a difference I th- I'm noticing I'm noticing that like even like with the debuts that's coming through um that there is much more of an even mix you know um so I'm definitely noticing that a lot more of my peers it's not just me and a group of guys do you know what I mean so it is starting to be more represented for sure um and and with that I do think we're seeing more female characters in leading roles it's it's funny, do you know what? <laughs> I remember some of the first reviews. Um, I would I would have been like male reviews. I remember like some guys were like, you know, it's uh, kind of like, is it like um, Thelma and Louise? And I was like, Jesus Christ, I was so lazy. Just because there's two women in a car yes. and there's females, and I just thought, no, wait, but if you wait a moment, there is such a lack of female characters leading their own stories that they're pulling on examples that don't even suit the film yeah so I, I think things are changing things are opening up and and hopefully even with how wildfire being made in a different way it's it might allow someone else to turn around and go I want to do something my own way you know yeah and who who would have influenced do you have any particular um directors that would have been your influences that you I think uh <laughs> I think I remember the Dardenne brothers. I was think I was I was just blown away, but like the infant and you know just the the sheer like is it reality? Is it real? And just the there was a real visceral force to how the characters moved in their films. Um, and I can't remember his name now. The Russian director, he did um, his first debut was The Return, and then he did um, oh my god. 
Oh my God, he's got this really Lefarian or something Lefarian. Oh my God, my brain is fried. But uh, he's an amazing Russian director. He, he's he somehow really subtly brings in social and political themes into his uh, into his films, and I really I'm really impressed with how he uses landscape as well. Yeah, that's so he was a big big reference. Yeah, there's a lot of Yuri in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's some yeah. beautiful shots of Ireland, and you have um, Sleeve League at the end, which somebody that's mentioned right, last night, and then sure yeah. not to forget about that, which I've been to and is absolutely stunning. But um, yeah, there's a lot of Yuri in there, and you know people will recognise when they go to the cinema to see. Absolutely, yeah. filming in Yuri, there's a scene where there's a bit jumping on cars. Do you have to get the get the streets closed down and stuff like that, or yeah. were there a lot of curious yeah. heads looking at you up at the Flagstaff and <laughs> Downhill Street? Oh, I have to say, the Yuri Council were amazing. Yuri Morning Council were great. The local police service were amazing, um, and we had a we had a fantastic location manager who really managed all that, so everything. Felt like a breeze, but it actually was quite complicated. Yeah. So what's what's next, Kathy? Or are you just? Um, I think if I can get to the end, of this, the end of this week. <laughs> um, but then after that, I feel like I'm, after the film's out there and I've done all the press, I think I want to just lie down in a dark room for about a week. Yeah. And then um, I'm very excited on with it. I've got a pitch for a new project that we're we're about to shop out for maybe a, a, a quite a, an established writer so that'll be interesting so you know that'll be a different kind of a way of approaching the film collaborating with a, a writer um so yeah so that's what that's what's next so that so that's the next um feature film so you're on the feature yeah. film role now and that's yeah. um, and listen if the right tv came up i would do some tv but it has to be the right tv yeah yeah, because well, you've done that before as well. So I mean, you're yeah, yeah, you're no yeah. you're no stranger to to TV. But for you know, for this to be your your debut film, it's um, it really is. It's it's in it's in Yuri now. Well, from tomorrow, from the weekend, yeah. That's right. In Yuri Dundalk, It's in. Is it in Armagh? I feel like it is. It's it's doing a good bit of the border. It turns out uh, there was a woman there from um, Derry last night. She came all the way to Belfast because she couldn't see it in Derry, which is mad because Derry is such a cultural city. I was like, why isn't Derry showing the film? But well, anyway, no. if it's not in Armagh, I, I interviewed the manager. Coincidentally, last week, I introduced I interviewed the new general manager of the Omniplex in Armagh. And I, and I told her, she said, if people request films, we'll um, put them in. And I said, well, I'm requesting. Oh, fantastic. So I requested it. So amazing! Like, oh, I definitely watch out for that. And um, and you're off to whisk off to London tomorrow, are you? Yeah. So we have the the opening night in the Curzon, um, tomorrow night in London, and then we do the 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 Rio and then the Genesis, and then we go to um, uh, Bristol, Glasgow, Birmingham, Liverpool, yeah, and Chester. And but it must be nice in Northern Ireland audiences. It must oh, be nice. That's, that's where it counts. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I but even the banter it. and even the things. It was something that was said that I just thought it was. Oh, you don't need somebody Irish. It was about the wolf when she said, um, "Um, do wolves do wolves still exist?" And she said, "In the world." And I was like, "Well, that's something you'd only say. <laughs> <laughs> only somebody Irish could say that." I know. Like they just take. Well, you in the world. In the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love that line, yeah. But um, yeah, because it wasn't all. There were just you know the quirkiness of things yeah. that you know. That, I think there is a like a, a very there is a a thread of dark humor in the film, yeah. 
And I feel like Irish audiences will, will probably get it more than any audiences because I think the film is so intense in place that people don't don't quite know if they should laugh or not. But I think that's kind of when life can get messy, that's kind of the, the knife edge we're off and on. And sometimes it's so tense, you don't know whether you're going to laugh or cry. And I think Wildfire kind of has that messiness in it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I'll let you go, Kathy, because I know you're on a on a very tight schedule. <laughs> Thanks a million it's for taking the It's been lovely chatting with you and Thanks. so lovely. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Kathy. All the best. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I urge you all to go to the cinema and see Wildfire, not just because um, it's an Irish film made by a local filmmaker, but because it really is a hard to watch at times, but very, very good film. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast. From the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the we see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com.